Inside the chemistry building at Dalhousie University is the Dassault Research Group. This is a lab where research takes place to prepare nano and micro materials using solid state reactions. They use these materials to generate energy, chemical fuels, and fresh water using sunlight. What's really cool is that Dr. Mita Desog and her team are using artificial photosynthesis to make green hydrogen. Yes, plants are inspiring the production of this renewable energy. That's what we're going to learn about next. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Maria. That's great. So in the intro, we talked about, you know, your lab and, uh, you know, all all the wonderful things that you're working on. So tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Dalhousie University. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm not sure how far back you want me to go, <laughs> but... I'll start with my <laughs> university education, which I mostly completed in the prairies. I did my bachelor's at University of Saskatchewan and my PhD from uh, University of Alberta. Uh, and during both of these, um, I had a chance to work with nanomaterials and I kind of really fell in love with the field of material science. Um, and then during my postdoc, it took me to California where I did my postdoc at Caltech. And that's where I was introduced to the field of renewable energy. Uh, so then I was very excited and very passionate about that field. And that kind of really has come together in my independent career where I now use nanomaterials and work on renewable energy. So I've been able to combine all my collective experiences over the 10 years. Um, so I, I knew, you know, I was in California, but I knew I wanted to come back to Canada. I wanted to get an academic position. Uh, I wanted to be able to do research, the type of research I was looking to do. And, you know, my partner and I both wanted to settle in sort of, you know, a mid-sized city, not a very big place. So uh, I feel like Dal kind of really ticked off a lot of those things we were looking for. So, and it had a position available, which is, you know, not that easy to come by in Canada. So, so that's how I came to be here in Halifax. Excellent. And you've, and so by being here, you, you, you created the, the, De, you know, the Desog uh, research group. And so what are the primary goals? Uh, what, what, what do you set out to, to achieve? Sure. Um, so I'm still a material science scientist and chemist uh, right now. So we have two sort of subgroups within our research group. We have one group that focuses mostly on water treatment, uh, particularly desalination. And we have another subgroup that mostly focuses on sustainable green fuel production uh, and focus being hydrogen there. Um, and again, it's all tied together by uh, material science. So we make nanomaterials that which, which you can then use for these applications. And we try to work within a few boundaries. So we have, you know, kind of restricted ourselves. So the first one, the way we source our starting materials. So we want that to be a sustainable source, waste stream if possible. 
Uh, we want to work with elements that are abundant, that are inexpensive, that are globally distributed. So, you know, it's a technology that might be accessible to everybody. Uh, then we also work on the production. So we want to come up with methods that are scalable, that are low energy, and again, sustainable. And the materials we make, we try to engineer them in such a way that they last for a very long time, they perform very well, so they have high uh, efficiency. And then at the end of their lifetime, it's easy to then take that apart and recycle it again. So these are sort of all the things we consider as we try to design uh, our technology and our materials. And you do a lot of green hydrogen, you yes. know. Um, so explain uh, what your role is in, in the green hydrogen aspect at all. Yeah, so, um, so I've been working on green hydrogen since I started my career at Dow. And uh, initially, we were working on water electrolysis, which is perhaps the most um, common way most people know that green hydrogen is made. Uh, and back then, we were focusing on developing non-precious metal-based catalysts that go into electrolyzers. Uh, but we since then shifted our focus, and now we uh, are mostly working on making green hydrogen using uh, a photocatalysis process, or some commonly also known as artificial photosynthesis. Uh, so we now, a lot of our efforts go into sort of developing systems for that particular technology. So... How how do you make green energy green hydrogen? I guess in your lab, how do you make the little micro samples or nano <laughs> that type of thing? Yes, yeah, so we say you know, we take inspiration from plants. So that's how the word sort of I guess artificial photosynthesis uh, comes from. So in natural photosynthesis, plants are able to absorb sunlight and then directly convert that solar energy into chemical energy. So they take carbon dioxide and water and make carbohydrates that they then store. So the idea is very similar. So we are trying to design uh, what we call photocatalysts. So that's like chlorophyll in the plants. And these are able to absorb as much sunlight as possible. And then they can use that solar energy to split water into its components, which is hydrogen and oxygen. Um, so that's the central idea behind the artificial photosynthesis to make green hydrogen. But additionally, what we are trying to do in our lab is that design these catalysts that can you know, absorb the sunlight and can efficiently then split water. But when we make oxygen, there is not a lot of big market for oxygen byproduct. Uh, so what we are now trying to do is couple a useful oxidation reaction. Um, so we now make hydrogen, but then instead of making oxygen, we are trying to make things like aldehydes um, that has a little bit more value than oxygen gas by itself a lot more commercial um, applications as well to that yes. as well. So to help explain the, you know, the artificial photosynthesis, you know, um, and the opportunities that, you know, it can provide for the sustainable fuel production sector. Yes. Um, so the interest in artificial photosynthesis comes due to the simplicity and the low cost of this type of technology. Right. 
So again, going back to so water electrolysis, to which is, you know, there's been a lot of discussion around that, especially uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, for green hydrogen production. There, what we do is we first produce uh, renewable electricity using wind, using solar, and then we take that electricity and use it to run electrolyzers, which split water into hydrogen and oxygen. What we do at photosynthesis is basically uh, cut that electricity requirement. So we go directly from a natural resource directly to fuel, like plants do. So we directly absorb solar energy and convert that into chemical energy. And what that can do is actually reduce the overall capital cost because now we don't need infrastructure that's required to make uh, electricity. Uh, we don't need as much land to, you know, have sort of the electricity production, you know, be it solar panels or wind turbines. So we cut all of that. Um, and it's and also it's quite, also simple, quite simple, because simple because all we have, we have are these catalysts. catalysts. We can either we can have them have dispersed in water, water or you can just paint it onto panels. Uh, and then you and just then have flowing water. water. And, and then, then, you know, it absorbs light, light and then, then it splits that into hydrogen and oxygen. And if you have something else there, it can also do that alternative reaction. So the interest really comes from the simplicity and the low cost of these types of systems. It's interesting how plants are the real rock stars here, you know, for doing what they do naturally. And, and, and that's what's inspiring, you know, this alternative approach. What would you say are the pros and cons of, of simulating the leaf of a plant for energy creation? Yeah. So, you know, plants so, are, you know, plants like you said, are, they're very good at doing this. They have evolved over <laughs> many, many years to be able yeah. to do what they do. Uh, so, and they're complicated systems and they're, you know, designed in a way uh, that allows them to do this. Even though the actual natural photosynthesis efficiency isn't as high, you know, plants are, they can regenerate themselves, uh, they can grow, there's, you know, you're not trying to, they're not having to, uh, it's not a lot of high cost to sort of replace. Uh, so if you're uh, thinking so if you're about thinking artificial about systems, artificial systems um, um, we have to be able to, to do that as well. That as well. And that's not and that's easy not to do easy in an artificial, artificial system, system, to have a self-healing, self-regenerating self material. material. To design something design like that can be quite complicated. So, so to what to that means what is that now means we have to be able to improve the efficiency, the efficiency at which we convert which that solar energy, energy into chemical energy from a cost-benefit cost analysis. So, so right, right now, now the big challenge, the big challenge is that those that efficiency numbers don't exist. Don't so we might get we that might on get a lab scale, scale, but when we go into real world, real once we scale the technology up, we haven't been able to perform these types of systems at an efficiency that makes it economically viable. So that's the big challenge that we are trying to currently address. Um, and that can come through designing a catalyst that can perform very well. Uh, that can also be done by uh, making another value added material like I previously described, because now you're making two um, you know, materials that can then be uh, used rather than just making the hydrogen. 
So there's many ways to sort of address these challenges, but those are sort of probably the big ones. Uh, and the other thing is the lifetime of these materials. Like I said, plants are, you know, self-healing, self-regenerating. And if you don't have a catalyst, if you don't have a technology that lasts for very long, then, you know, there's a lot of costs associated with constantly having to replace that catalyst as well. So, and we don't even have studies to see if things would last years at a time. So, you know, that's something that still needs to be evaluated to really see how feasible these types of technologies can be. Yeah, definitely uh, rooting for that. You know, you mentioned earlier that oxygen is not as valuable as other products such as, and is it aldehydes, you know, what they might be? So what are the commercial uses for for these aldehydes uh, that your lab is making? Yeah, and there are many, many commercial uses for aldehydes, uh, and it depends on the type of aldehyde. So some of the more complex ones are often used in perfumes uh, or food additives. We make uh, smaller, more simpler aldehydes, and these are typically used as starting materials to make other things, typically uh, polymers, uh, synthetic rubbers, uh, dyes, uh, insecticides, fungicides, and things like that. Interesting. Wow. Tell me, what does the average day look like in, in the lab? Um, the average day, um, I think, uh, in the lab is quite exciting. So, you know, of course, it's not just me. I have a team of researchers that help do the work that we do. And they're the ones that actually spend most of their time in the lab. <laughs> so uh, a typical day would be very dependent on what people are working on. So in our research lab, we do, you know, fundamental basic research and do very applied research as well. So people might be making the nanoparticles or the materials and the catalysts. You know, when I was initially mentioning, we also try to look at how we manufacture these, um, improve the process. So doing a lot of process engineering, trying to make sure that we can be as sustainable as possible. Uh, there are people who are testing the performance of the materials as well. So how well do they perform for catalysis? Uh, how quickly can they make that hydrogen? How long do they last? And those uh, long-term sort of stability studies can, you know, if material lasts for a long time, that's great, but then, you know, you're looking at it for days at a time. Um, and there's also a lot of data collection. You know, you have to make sure you characterize, use a lot of analytical tools. Um, so being able to use a lot of these instruments, collect all that data, analyze that data, plot that data, put it together to then sort of really give a full picture uh, of what, you know, something looks like. So a typical day can range um, anywhere uh, doing any of these activities in the lab, depending on where people uh, are in their project. Uh, we also collaborate quite a bit. It's a very interdisciplinary type of research. Um, you know, we have our team, but we also collaborate with teams in physics and engineering, both at Dalhousie and 
outside of Dalhousie. So there's also a lot of time spent sort of in meetings trying to, you know, connect with other researchers, get, you know, their expertise as well, because, you know, we can't be experts on everything and every aspect of what we're looking at. So having that input from other experts, um, so being able to brainstorm um, to either solve an issue or making sure we are on the right path. So we also spend quite a bit of time in the meetings as well. So that's my that's team. My team. I, personally, I personally, if I'm being uh, honest, don't spend as much time in the lab anymore. <laughs> Most of uh, you know my time is spent mostly in my office, uh, trying to find funding for the work that we do. <laughs> right, <laughs> writing a yep. lot of writing. So supervising, making sure that everything's on track. So definitely. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure it's all it's it's all important work that you're doing and, and uh, discoveries that are that are being made and and testing those discoveries against other applications. What's next uh, for you and and the work that's happening here? Yeah, so yeah, for so the for um, the um, green hydrogen, hydrogen for production using the artificial photosynthesis that I discussed today, uh, so there are a few different directions we're going with that. The first one is for the aldehyde and the hydrogen combination that I mentioned today. Uh, you know, it works on bench scale, uh, lab scale, but if we scaled it up, like, would it still maintain its performance? So being able to test that, so we want to scale it up uh, and right. see how that goes. Uh, also long-term testing. So, you know, we know that it lasts for days, but would it last for weeks, months at a time? So being able to do those long-term testing um, for that. And the other thing we're now starting to get into is that rather than, I guess, make a uh, a chemical on the oxidation side rather than making aldehydes, can we just use it sort of a process that we can connect with? So in wastewater treatment, oftentimes there's advanced oxidation process that they do uh, to be able to get rid of organic um, contaminants. So that's another thing we can couple this photocatalytic system with is, you know, we make hydrogen, but then you can also treat wastewater or you could break down plastics or, you know, so we are trying to explore that avenue moving forward as well. Interesting stuff. Well, I, I wish you and, and your team uh, all the best going forward. It'll be exciting to see, you know, what what develops out of the research that's happening here. And it's at Dalhousie University in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And uh, Mita, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you you joining me. and. Um, We'll, we'll talk to you again in the future. It would be nice to check in to see how your work is evolving. and, and coming Awesome. Out. And thank you so much for having me today. Using artificial photosynthesis as a process to make green hydrogen? That's basically green energy production at its core. Thanks again to Dr. Mita Desog for joining me today. And by the way, the fine people at Smart Energy sponsor this podcast. It's an annual conference that brings together smart people and companies in the renewable energy sector. Thanks for following along. I'll see you next time.